Do it. Do it. <laughs> Little Emperor Palpatine there. <laughs> Welcome back to Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And today we're discussing chapter 15, The Witness Stones. So the intro to this chapter uh, is a little bit more in-depth on the skill and what can be done with it. Yes. Um, it, it kind of details that, you know, a commander in battle could relay simple information and commands directly to officers underneath him or someone who was particularly skilled um, might be rare, but they could influence untrained minds or the minds of enemies, inspiring them with fear or confusion or doubt, which is what Verity does to the Red Ship Raiders. Yes. He but confuses them. <laughs> yeah. But is this something only a powerful, skilled person can do, or anyone who has trained enough? Because we know this is kind of what Galen does later, so... And he doesn't seem all that strong, when when does he do this? And whenever he tells uh, Fitz to die. Yeah, I think in this context of a battle, it's like over a distance. Mm. Like more so. Um, well, I Galen must be powerfully skilled to be chosen by Solicity first of all, well, because they they des- they described him as a, a surprising talent. Yeah. That was powerful with skill. So, I mean, he does have not the royal Farseer blood, but he has Farseer blood in him. Right. From his mother's side. So, <laughs> it would make sense that he's powerfully skilled. But he seems to be the weakest of the Farseers. Sure, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess, yeah. Still. And he's been classically trained i guess (laughs) yeah true true i guess i just thought it was interesting and i was just wondering like who wrote this specific section are all these intro sections fits or supposed to be fits like i'm not really sure i think we get the impression that they're supposed to be but at the same time he knows more at this point i think than this but well because this kind of sounds a little bit like um propaganda that you would tell that like only the most powerful because there's not very many around so you wouldn't know any better but this is also the first look we get at what the skill even is yeah i mean we knew before this coming in because we've read the books before but i think up until this point it's kind of like a nebulous they can maybe read the mind but no they actually can't but shrewd likes people to think so and that's about Um, all we know right um but yeah so i just thought it was interesting that it said only powerful skilled only the powerfully skilled could do certain things. And right. it seems as though maybe that's not true. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a little propaganda. Maybe it's, um, maybe everyone that we're dealing with is stronger in the skill than what normal people would be. Fair enough. Because they are farseers. Yeah. So. And maybe, like, as time goes on, the skill gets stronger and the people Could like be. maybe when this was written if this wasn't written by Fitz or if this was just translated by Fitz 
the skill was harder to master, and then just as the years have gone on, it's like an evolutionary trait. Yeah, could I be. No. Um, but it does say like the strongest can aspire to speak directly with elderlings. Mm-hmm. For uh, like, you can ask questions, um, and the answer to that question may be one a man cannot hear and live. For when one speaks to the elderlings, then is the sweetness of using the skill strongest and most perilous. And it kind of goes into um, that there is a euphoria that comes with the skill and addictiveness that I've seen often compared to like drug addiction. Uh, where you, you kind of go through withdrawals if you're not using it because you just crave that feeling. Yeah. And then it again talks about speaking to the elderlings. But the intensity of this exaltation when speaking to the elderlings is a thing for which we have no comparison. Both senses and sense may be blasted forever from such a man who uses the skill to speak to an elderling. Such a man dies raving. But it is also true, he dies raving of his joy. That's this is what makes me think that it might not be Fitz because at this point, well, at the end of the trilogy, he thinks the stone dragons are the elderlings, I guess. So it could be Fitz because what they're talking about, I believe, is speaking to dragons and not elderlings. Okay. Because elderlings have skill in them from like the transformation and the like osmosis between the dragon and them but it's not like skill ability it's just like the silver basically yeah because they have that change from them from the dragons so i don't we don't ever see like a skilled elderling so speaking directly to an elderling i don't think is an issue that creates that euphoria what i think is Maybe partially translation, partially fits his knowledge, partially knowledge he finds somewhere in Chade's library or whatever, mm-hmm. is hinting at the elderlings like the six duchies knows of the elderlings and their dragons, but like the real dragons. Because it says, um, for in using the skill, the user feels a keenness of life and uplifting of being that can distract a man from taking his next breath. Compelling is this feeling even in the common uses of the skill and addictive to any uh, not hardened in its purpose. But the intensity of this exaltation when speaking to the elderlings is a thing for which we have no comparison. And I think that's like their compulsion, like their glamour. Okay. Like in a skill user who can speak directly into the mind and communicate with them rather than maybe just hearing a dragon speak out and like directly connect connect minds with the dragon would be like overwhelmed with how much ability or the intensity of everything because you are connecting your mind to another intelligent being that is way far beyond you okay did you think it was like straight up elderlings or did did you kind of like glaze i don't know i don't so i was thinking about how Fitz sometimes hears later in the series hears voices in the skill stream right and I mean very later on it's his family members um but even before his family members join the skill stream he hears a like motherly voice and we know there's a fatherly voice 
And so I was wondering if maybe that was more what they're like, that's what I imagined they were talking about is that like, they're these specific voices who are very powerful in the stream. And because Fitz never asks them questions. So I mean, it would stand to reason that then he's not like they're he's not seeking them out. So he couldn't be this affected by them. Um, but I guess I don't know. I don't know what to think. Yeah. Um, I have like half formed thoughts about who those voices are, but we'll have to talk about that when we get to those sections. Yeah. Um, but it it definitely could be. Yeah. Cause there are voices in the skill river and there are there, it seems to be that like the skill river is made up of all the people who have like, given themselves to it or even just life in general is kind of in there and so maybe if you wade too deep you hear voices and then you like can ask a question if you remember to ask because the ecstasy is so good um does it describe the skill river as like a a euphoria like an ecstasy like a good feeling because i know it's it's not necessarily bad feeling and every time they they skill it's feels good Mm -hmm. and it's like a euphoria rushing through your body but is that specifically like oh this feels so good that i'm unraveling or is it just like you're feeling so complete with the world around you that you just kind of lose sense of who you are and you're like unraveling in it i always thought of it much like a river in which like when you get your feet wet it's nice especially on a hot day it feels good and maybe wade in a little bit deeper because, like, it's really warm outside, so you're trying to cool down. And then all of a sudden you hit an undertow or something, and you're just pulled along by the stream. And I guess in this, <laughs> that probably doesn't feel super good. But, like, the idea is just that it would, it does still feel good, but it's just a, overwhelming and you don't know how to process what's going on necessarily. So... Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what he's talking about in here because they, he's writing or the person was writing from an ignorant knowledge base. Right. Or a naive knowledge base, I guess, because yeah. they don't really know what they're talking about. Well, it also says that no one comes back from it. Everybody dies raving, even if it's a good raving. But, like, then how do you know what they're experiencing right. or if they even found something to begin with? It's just like the story of dread pirate roberts he leaves no survivors or like it repeated in um you know parts of the caribbean the black pearl leaves no survivors and everyone asks like why is there stories then yeah (laughs) because there was a survivor Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know so it just seems like an interesting i'm not really sure i mean i guess i don't know if anyone can be sure but right Well, we get a little bit more of that intro to the skill and then dive right into more training. Um, I don't really want to touch on too much in the first few pages here because it's, one, a long chapter, and two, it's going over a lot of what we've touched on last episode in which Galen just indoctrinates more and they fall deeper under his quote-unquote spell. Um and they become more divided and more competitive with one another, and they're just striving for Galen's affection in any sort of way, and then a couple people have dropped out. Um, I do want to point out that this is kind of textbook cult. 
leadership. Um, yeah. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts <laughs> in my free time. And um, it's kind of weird how similar all of Galen's actions are to a cult leader. Like, you deprive people, you separate them and isolate them and deprive them of everything that is their normal life, get them to be so isolated and they can only look to you for the comfort and then slowly start adding things in and make them think that like, this is a gift from that, from you, the cult leader. And then they appreciate you more and like, will follow you more willingly because you're giving them gifts when they do well. And I just thought that was really interesting and a cool way to look at it. Yeah, I think Robin Hobb definitely took some inspiration from, you know, obviously from real life manipulations, but from yeah. cult leaders and from cult survivors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple months have passed and winter is deepening upon Buckkeep at the moment. Um, I mean, it says Fitz first, at first missed, you know, Chade and Burek and Lady Patience and things like that, but slowly he just kind of forgot about everybody and was single-mindedly focused on things, and even Smithy and the Fool became an annoyance for him. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty sad. After three months of cold and cruelty, Galen had whittled us down to eight candidates, and the real training finally began. Yeah. And it's really interesting that this whole time um, there's repeated phrasing of um, talking about how Fitz does not want to remember this. He doesn't like thinking about it. He doesn't fully remember it. Um, At one point he says it comes back in crystal glimpses. And he just... This moment in his life is so I don't know crucial pivotal pivotal to who he is as a person and it really just he hates this like he can't even talk about the good stuff for very long and it just really shows the lasting impact this has on him yeah definitely and I think he might even be like physically affected his memory might be physically affected by some things that happened too and it yeah it takes a huge toll on him um galen introduces the skill to them and they're touched with the skill for the first time and fitz does extremely well mm-hmm. he is way ahead of the other students at this point um galen even gives him a grudging nod of respect and approval basically but he's also terrified yeah. of fitz well he tests him three times in a row and all three times Fitz stays strong and doesn't falter. Yep. He doesn't succumb to mm-hmm. the to embracing the skill and the euphoria, that addiction. And he just does exactly what Galen wants him to do in there. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah. And this, like, really hit home to me that, like, he's really talented. Oh, my gosh. And yes. strong. And, yeah. like could have been such an amazing skill user. Yep. Like, if he wasn't crippled from this incident, he could have... If he wasn't crippled, if he didn't drink elf bark for 15 years, if, like, if he got proper training, like, if Solicity was still alive, Mm -hmm. he would have been probably the strongest user underneath Thick 
when Thick comes in. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just because he's not even trained yet and he's not at all wavering. And I wonder if this is a little bit because of um, his ability to use the wit and what he's learned using the wit. I think just like, yeah, the, the mental fortitude and mm-hmm. the will to do things and the control that, like you said, that he's yeah. kind of learning with the wit. Well, because he has to teach himself how to use the wit. I mean, especially whenever he was um, separating his mind in two places, one with uh, Smithy back in his room and the other with himself while he was going about his daily chores. Right. Um, And so I wonder if, like, I mean, how powerful is he at that to be able to learn that on his own? But just, like, I wonder if that's part of why he is so naturally gifted at this. Um, but it's also definitely got to be skill that's already there. He's just right, that yeah. good at using it. I, I mean, all of his training up until this point is just helping his mental fortitude and his sharpness of his mind. Um, Burek, you know, fortifies his determination. He sculpts how stubborn Fitz is and also, like, how disciplined he can be. Chade focuses his intelligence, his memorization, his uh, single-mindedness on mm-hmm. tasks, and that all helps Fitz here. Because right. that's, like, what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And then the wit helps him be open and, like, be willing to try these things. So he, he has that great success, and then Fitz is like, oh, now I kind of know what I'm working for. Uh, I want to do this. And there's a line here I want to point out because... At the end of this chapter, it really contradicts with what Fitz is feeling. Mm-hmm. It says, I would be able to skill, and with that knowing, my resolve hardened, and there was nothing, nothing Galen could have done that would stop me from learning it. And that, like, rereading this chapter for, like, the second or third time here really is juxtaposed against the ending. Yeah. And it, it's kind of crazy, the switch that flips. But uh, Galen is scared of him because he's strong. He's, you know, talented at this. And Galen hates Fitz, and he knows that Fitz knows that he hates him. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it's really interesting, like you said, that it's so juxtaposed with the end. Um, so we can really see how the skill works so thoroughly. Right. Um, I think that this is also a little bit of, like, Fitz realizing he can actually skill. And because up until this point, he doesn't know what skilling is truly, and he has no idea if he can even do it. And I think this would probably be really nice because he's spent his whole life being in his father's shadow and being compared to his dad and just never being good enough and not having anything that was like kind of his that he could be proud of and work on. And the skill is so different from the wit because it's so um, royal and revered. And this is something he can be proud of. This will make his family and friends proud and he can do it. And I think that's, it's kind of sad that he's so (laughs) like, excited about it but also um it's really interesting just to see kind of the difference i guess right 
But Galen um, ups his cruelty right. over the next few times and, and ends up hitting him in the face with his quirt, where he gets a welt, and Beric sees that over dinner. And he Beric is furious, of course, and he's about to say something, and Fitz turns away because he wants to learn the skill, and he, he kind of admires Galen. Well, not admires Galen, but... He fears and needs Galen at this point, and he's, you know, uh, brainwashed almost mm-hmm. to have Galen as his. And Galen is super pleased that Fitz turns away, and then Beric eventually turns around and leaves and says, Galen looked at me, and the triumph in his face made my heart cold. I was his now, and he knew it. And I, I was kind of curious, um, do you think that... This is partially because Galen knows that Fitz is finally, like, getting under his control. His brainwashing and training is working. But also, it could be partially that he was jealous of Beric for having chivalry all of his life. Because he was skill-commanded to adore and love chivalry. That taking Fitz away, even though he hates Fitz, is kind of a little revenge on Beric for having had chivalry all of his life. Ooh, I like that. I like that idea a lot. I think that's interesting. Um, I thought of it as more of... Well, Galen is just awful. He's the worst, and... (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) He seems to just really... He's weak. He's very weak, and he knows it. He's a very thin man. He probably doesn't have a lot of muscles. He uses a whip to hit other people with. He's a bully who who uses fear. Right. Yeah. And he already knows that he can hit Fitz, because he's been doing it for months, and Fitz doesn't fight back, and he knows he has the upper hand. But he probably wasn't sure that he could get away with it and not get beat up by... Burek because right. everybody knows how close Burek is with Fitz. And I think this triumph is more so just about his happiness that number one, he doesn't have to answer to anyone for beating up Fitz now, so he leaves. And number two, um, he's successfully isolated Fitz. Yeah. And Fitz is all alone, and he probably... I thought of this as him thinking that maybe maybe not Burek doesn't care, although I would see him being dumb enough to think that, mm-hmm. but thinking that Burek is never going to do anything because of what's going on. And just, like, he won't ever have to face any punishment, and I don't know. But I do like your suggestion better, that it's more about getting back at Burek a little bit, too. Well, uh, the training continues, and um, Galen continues the shaming of Fitz, Mm -hmm. and says, um, repeat the sentence, and I am a bastard, and I shame my father's name. And Galen speaks into his mind, saying... You draw strength from somewhere. This is not your own skill, and I'm going to find out. So then Fitz becomes very 
afraid and immediately hides Smithy from Galen, Mm -hmm. which kind of solidifies that thought in Galen's mind. Oh yeah, he's hiding something. Right. Like I was just kind of guessing. I obviously a bastard couldn't have this kind of skill and power. He has to be hiding something. He says it, and Fitz immediately hides something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think that Fitz is necessarily getting power in the way that Galen is describing. Oh, yeah. No, he's not. He's not. Yeah, it's just how naturally talented he is, which is also, like, such a weird thing. Like, he's also a bastard and supposedly powerful. I don't believe it because I don't like him, but whatever. (laughs) And he is he just can't comprehend that another bastard could also be talented in this? Do you think he thinks well, that he hates Fitz? Like, skill commanded hates Fitz for, yeah. for this whole thing. But do you think he also hates the idea that Fitz could be strong enough to take over the kingdom? Like, is this what this was about? I I don't even know if Galen thinks that big. I think he's just too petty <laughs> in his own world. I don't know. I don't want to ascribe him that much forethought. But I do want to say that I think Smithy is part of his strength, just not in the way Galen thinks of it. Right, yeah. Like, I think without the fool and Smithy, Fitz's soul would be crushed a little bit easier and then he wouldn't be able to he would die in this chapter yeah but i think just in general that he would not be able to withstand all the abuse Mm. he's getting hurled at like even up until this point he would have been a little bit more vulnerable because he would have been so lonely because we know he struggles with being alone and feeling lonely all the Mm -hmm. time definitely I think this separation without having that tether to Smithy and without getting to see the fool regularly would have really just been too much. Right. I agree. So uh, Fitz says that they kind of played hide and seek for a little bit here um, for the next few days that, you know, Fitz didn't want Galen to learn any of the secrets that he kept back, which included, you know, um, Chade, the fool, Molly, his friends downtown, um, and older secrets I would not even reveal to myself, which I'm guessing was his childhood. Probably. Um, that's, I mean, that's like the only thing that he has memories that we haven't really known about. Everything before he was six. Right. Basically. He sought them all and I juggled them desperately out of his reach, but despite all that, or perhaps because of it, I felt myself growing stronger in the skill. So, yeah, this is basically him just playing those little games that Chade sent him on and getting better in the, like, stealth and uh, gathering information and memorization. This is him doing that in a far higher stakes with Galen. Yes. So he's definitely getting stronger. He's he's practicing. Mm -hmm. And I think this might be um, something he can do because he did this with the wit. He has separated something from himself. And it's just really cool how they can play into each other. And maybe I'm just reading too far into that because I find the wit a very interesting power. It's not really power, but, like, I find the wit more interesting than the skill just because I find it way more interesting to be able to talk to animals and (laughs) sense life than reading people's... Well, controlling people's minds, I guess. I don't know. Um, But, 
Yeah, I just like, I like the little things that he's doing that are kind of similar to the things he's done with the wit in previous chapters. Right. But Galen is um, getting increasingly angrier and angrier and just says, don't, yells, don't mock me. Uh, Kids, pay attention to your own stuff that you're doing. And then just attacks Fitz, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And Fitz is taking the beating because he has to at this point. Um, and he's like, oh, no, this is fine. I deserve this. And he's not getting hurt as much as he thought he was because he is repelling slightly. Every time that a punch comes down or a kick comes in, he's slightly repelling it enough so Galen does not notice, but it keeps himself safe. So it's it's kind of plays into what you were talking about. He's very nuanced with what he can do with certain abilities in the wit. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's untrained in that as well. And he learns a ton more from black Rolf later in the books, right? Um, stuff that he didn't think could be possible, mm-hmm. but with this ability that he's used since he was a kid, he's fairly nuanced in. Yeah. I think this whole idea of him repelling without knowing is interesting. It makes me wonder if it's actually like Smithy trying to protect him because it is like a wit skill that Maybe. he's using. Yeah. And so I not that I think that animals can use repel. Well, they kind of can. We know that that's like kind of what they do whenever they like right rough try to fight other animals is basically like a form of repelling. It's just not as strong as what like the humans who have the wit can do. Um, so I wondered if it was Smithy reaching through because we know animals can reach through their partner's bond the same way that humans can reach through. It just is a little bit different because going I, from, like, an animal to a person. Yeah, I think that... I almost think that's more unique to the Night Eyes Fitz bond because a few times, like, Night Eyes reaches through Fitz's skill connection with somebody and then, like, scratches them, basically, through right. the mind. Right. Um, Smithy could be doing it here, but there's not that... Uh, I, mean, I, I believe, if I recall correctly, that every time that happens, there's, like, a distinct description or mention that the bond is, like, in the mind. Right. And, like, Fitz could feel some, like... That's fair. The person coming... Or the night eyes or whatever coming through. Yeah. Well, then I wonder if this is kind of like the Avatar state where his body's weak and he's <laughs> in danger, so his eyes are glowing and he's just repelling. <laughs> um, so he goes back to his room after that night, um, and he is playing with Smithy and teasing him, saying, no brain, all you can think of is what you want, no brain, no brain, and the fool comes in and says, just like his owner... Oh, the fool. I love him. Um, But the fool is still trying to convince Fitz not to continue his lessons. Right. He um, is just visiting, like, he he visits to feed Smithy, obviously, at this point, and to help Fitz out to focus on his lessons, because Fitz is one-track-minded at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. But Fitz is very flippant and very dismissive of the Fool's warnings, of anything that the Fool is trying to say to him. Right. And the Fool says, you know, I have no choice in trying to, like, tell you off, 
what I had hoped to do was dissuade you from trying to complete his lessons. And Fitz is like, what, you want me to give up now? Fitz feels like he won after this last encounter. He feels like he he's besting Galen because he does not like Galen. He has a deep-seated hatred of Galen. And he feels like he's getting better at the skill. Right. And on top of that, all these kids just looked at him with disgust after beating Fitz, which isn't necessarily new, but he just took it too far. And even his followers aren't okay with that. And so, of course, Fitz feels like he's winning. Right. But the fool is like, you know, I don't think he's going to let you succeed. And Fitz is like, do you think he can prevent me? And the fool's like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he definitely can. Um, But the fool says here, uh, in response to Fitz's, like, "Why why do you want me to stop? He says, because he began and then stopped in frustration. I don't know. Too many things converge. Perhaps if I pluck one thread loose, the knot will not form. I was suddenly tired and the earlier elation of my triumph collapsed before his dour warnings. My irritability won, and I snapped. If you cannot speak clearly, why do you speak at all? He was as silent as if I had struck him. That's another thing I don't know, he said at last. He rose to go. Fool, I began. Yes, I am that, he said, and left. That makes me so sad. The fool is actually considering him to be a friend now. Like, he's starting to be a friend And he is terrified for Fitz because he foresees if Fitz continues this lesson, he will die. Right. There, we know that there's a very slim chance of Fitz surviving all of his, you know, difficulties and adventures in life until adulthood. And that's what the fool is trying to give. He must see a bigger path for Fitz to survive outside of these lessons Mm -hmm. than in them. And, um... He's trying to explain it slash talking to himself about, like, too many things converge. Perhaps if I pluck one thread loose, the knot will not form. He wants things to go a certain way, and if he tries to persuade Fitz to do something, that way might not happen because that because that influence. Mm-hmm. So the fool is still is coming into his own as a prophet, trying to direct things but not direct things at the same time just letting Fitz do his own thing but like guiding Fitz to where he needs him to go yeah and I think it's a really interesting image that the fool is painting um, that there's a knot that is going to happen but he's trying to stop it before it does so he's trying to pull one thread and it's really interesting because it seems as though at this point he doesn't know that what he is doing to help Smithy is the thread. Yeah, that that's the thing that And I helps. don't think he's helping Smithy because he thinks of this as the thread he's pulling. I think he's doing this because he likes Fitz. Right. And he want he wants to help with the dog because Fitz is obviously distressed about this and he wants to help a friend. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's really interesting that he's he doesn't know that yet. And it just, like, speaks to how hard it is to be a prophet, I think, or a white, because there are so many different possibilities. It's like right in the last series when B and the Fool meet for the first time, and she sees all the threads, and it's explained as different possibilities 
that things can go down. Like, if she encourages these two lovers to run off together, they could die, or one could not show up, and that would turn into a huge mess. And just the idea that there are a lot of possibilities hanging around Fitz at all times makes me feel like it would be hard for the fool to be around him. Yeah, potentially. But, I mean, the bee and the fool had to be touching one another for that to happen. I think that was kind of like a special thing. So I don't think he sees all those possibilities all the time around Fitz. See, I took that as he always sees them. B was just untrained and didn't know what to look for. And so it's kind of like a skill Hmm. touch, but because they're a different being, it's a little bit different. They weren't around Fitz at that point, though. No, um, because Fitz isn't the only one with threads around him. Like, everything has a thread attached. It's just how important the thread are. Or threads are. Keep an eye out for those yeah. hints, maybe. Um, but Fitz perseveres. He continues with the training. And eventually... Oh. You want to say something? Yeah, sorry. Um, I did also want to talk about um, the if you cannot speak clearly, why do you speak at all line? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is definitely something that is a argument that happens through their entire relationship. Oh yeah, 100%. Um but this just, time he like snaps it. He's yeah. Angry. But I think this starts the fool uh, the fool's um inability to fully talk to Fitz openly. I think because Fitz doesn't understand and I think the fool knows that on some level he can never truly understand because it's so far out of his perception. But I think this starts the fool realizing that it makes him angry to hear about, and it makes the fool feel like he can't talk, he can't be open and truly himself in this portion yeah. with Fitz. Interesting. I like that. That's all. So Fitz continues with the training, and eventually... Um, Eventually, Galen says, like, you guys are ready. You can finally start embracing the skill, and we'll meet together. And this will be your first test of, like, actually embracing it. Again, don't, you know, don't succumb to weakness um, or anything like that. Resist it. And he goes through the students and starts testing them. Um, says some clearly failed and were rebuked for laziness or stupidity. August was praised. Serene was slapped for reaching forth too eagerly. And then he came to me. And Fitz, of course, meets him very equally. Mm-hmm. Perfectly the first time. He's like, like this. And Galen's like, yes, bastard, like this. And they were in balance for a while. And it says abruptly Galen slammed into me. It felt exactly as if the air had been knocked out of me, but in a mental rather than physical way. Instead of being unable to get my breath, I was unable to master my thoughts. He rifled through my mind, ransacking my privacy, and I was powerless before him. He had won, and he knew it. But in that moment of his careless triumph, I found an opening. I grasped at him, trying to seize his mind as he had mine. I gripped him and held him, and knew for a dizzying instant that I was stronger than he, that I could force into his mind any thought I chose to put there. 
No, he shrieked, and dimly I knew that at some former time he had struggled like this with someone he had despised. Someone else who had also won as I intended to. And I just want to talk about that first, because yeah. obviously he's talking about chivalry. Yes. So it says here that it was someone he had despised before. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, obviously probably came from his mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it turned into an intense love for chivalry after uh, chivalry commanded loyalty into him, and then he kind of transferred all of that to Fitz. But it says here Galen went through his mind and ransacked his privacy, but it must take some time to go through and process everything, because he doesn't discover that he's witted here. Right. He doesn't discover Smithy. He doesn't discover a lot of the secrets that he was trying to withhold. Mm-hmm. Well... I think of it like if you're going through somebody else's paperwork, like there's a stack of paperwork. Like their diary or something. Yeah, exactly. And except in this diary, they wrote all of the most precious secrets to them in the very back. And in the front is just stuff that is less important to them, but still things that they wouldn't necessarily want everybody to know. And you have to turn through all the pages before you get to the end. Uh Uh-huh. And so he would definitely find things out about Fitz and probably some of Fitz's insecurities and, like, how lonely he was, which would be super embarrassing, and just the feelings of resentment that he probably harbors towards Burek, which would be also embarrassing because it's his dad figure and, you know, just... I think... So he's definitely learning more about Fitz and probably stuff that Fitz would find embarrassing and uncomfortable. But I don't think he's able to flip all the way through the diary before having to block himself from Fitz taking over. It's pretty quick that this happens. But I just wanted to mention that um, this imagery of what his dad does to Galen, I think it's really nicely, subtly put in there because it seems to be... That because Fitz is doing something similar, it brings up the memory. So it almost seems as though when you're in someone's mind, you can kind of feel the thought form that that person is having right in that minute. Um, Which is why Galen is reacting, saying no, whenever Fitz realizes that he's strong enough. Because he can read Fitz's mind in a way that's like he can feel the thoughts forming. Right. And I just thought that was a really cool, subtle way to do that without explicitly saying... The skill can do this. Yeah, and the school... (laughs) They're reading each other's minds. Right. I just thought that was cool. Yeah. And, um... Galen then tries, for the first time, to command Fitz to die. And it doesn't work, because Fitz is in control at this point. Um... Fitz says here, I knew I would win, and I focused my will and bore down on my grip. But the skill does not care who wins. It does not allow anyone to surrender to any one thought, or even for a moment. Um, But I did. And when I did, I forgot to guard against the ecstasy that is both the honey and the sting of the skill. So Fitz succumbs to that. He doesn't heed Galen's warning to resist. And just the whole moment of actually embracing the skill for the first time overwhelms him. This happens very fast, obviously, and then Galen is easily gets the upper hand after that because Fitz is no longer resisting, he's no longer focusing his will on anything. 
and it goes into a long description of that pleasure, but Fitz can't even seem to fully put it into words how good it feels. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of crazy to me that people can use this and still resist it mm-hmm. based on these descriptions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I forgot all except exploring this sensation. And it's it's pretty pretty good analogy to drug use, I guess. Yeah. Like, and then later addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it also makes sense why later when Shade is kind of going senile, um, he struggles so much staying out of right. the skill. Um, Escape from the pain, just mm-hmm. feel this Because his mind, his mind is just wandering, it's loosening, it's... Yeah. tight hold on reality and so I think it it just show, it goes to show that you have to have really strong will but I also wonder if this is partially due to how it's learned like could, be. could he not that I think that it doesn't feel that good to anyone no matter how they learned I'm just saying maybe with Solicity's teaching she allows you to feel a little bit so that you know what you're fighting against, but also... I don't... I mean, I don't know. I don't know how she... I think that this was intended to be this way as well, but Galen attacks him, so he fights back. Yeah. I think all the other students got that little taste and were able to know what they were up against. Um, But also, it could feel that much better just in contrast to what he's been through the last three months. True. (laughs) Just physically. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, I think... If you're taught in a way that isn't so horrible and also not attacked when you're so new to this whole uh, ability, I think it would be easier to resist and he could have more easily stayed away from succumbing and maybe like in the future been able to hold back as well because I think this whole idea of like taking away things that make the people happy is unhealthy. And that's probably why the skill users often aren't as strong as others that are made in peacetime. Right. Because in wartime, when you're doing this quick, fast-paced thing, they can't get used to the skill. Right. Well, could make sense. We just don't know enough about Solicity's methods, I guess. Right. Um, Galen then physically attacks Fitz while he is under the influence of the skill and Fitz doesn't really feel anything because even getting fully hit by a grown man he doesn't really feel it through the euphoria doesn't really knock him out of that trance at all and eventually that kind of fades from him and Galen once again says die. Like grabs him by the throat, commands him to die, and Fitz says I did not hear the words. I felt them. He let go of my throat and I fell. And in the wake of the devouring elation of the skill came now a bleakness of failure and guilt that made my physical pain as nothing. I was defeated and unworthy, and Galen had proven it. 
so I think that he was commanded to die, but Fitz's mind and, and soul and his body just kind of fills in the reasons why he has to. It kind of justifies that command to him. Right. Um, because, you know, you have to make sense of what you're being commanded, basically. And I think that Fitz has severe feelings of inadequacy through his whole life that it just kind of justifies he has to die because he's so bad at everything. He's he's failed everything that he's done. He was unworthy of everything. And I feel like Fitz kind of struggles with that his whole life, being unwanted, being unworthy of something, not living up to anything that he was born possibly into. Right. Burek reminds him of it. Uh, his father didn't come to visit him, so maybe he didn't want him. Mm-hmm. His mother and grandfather got rid of him. Like There's there's just a lot of feelings there that kind of justify and fits his mind why he has to die. And, that, and I don't want to say that this is for sure what he's feeling, because obviously he's a fictional character and I'm not sure, but... It makes the most sense to me because those feelings really come out over the next few pages of this chapter, almost all the way to the end. And he's, he repeats things like this all the time, that he failed, he, he's unworthy of things, he's... I don't know, it's, it's a really insidious command for Galen to do. And I think Galen was just commanding him to die, and he didn't want to, like seed him with any other issues he just wanted Fitz to die yeah which number one is gross because this is a what mid 30s man telling a teenager to die like disgusting um but also I don't know it's really interesting because I mean at one point Fitz says only a misplaced pity had kept Galen from killing me I had wasted his time, had taken his painstaking instruction, and turned it all to selfish indulgence. And it's just so weird to me that because he just said die, he just commanded him die, but it also commanded in him this sense of Galen being merciful and not that bad, and it's so weird. Like, why would he lose the... It makes me almost feel as though... Die is what Fitz heard, but maybe there were some undercurrents with it. Like, maybe there were some other, like, subtler commands. I don't know that maybe even Galen meant to do it, but maybe because that's Galen's feelings behind it were there. And maybe even Galen knows that Verity could very well, or even King Shrewd, look into... Fitz's mind and potentially see this command that he's skilled there. And so maybe it was more of a subtle, like, see, I didn't kill him. He killed himself. And I don't, I don't know. See, that's why I think that the body and the mind of Fitz justified that command. And that's where those feelings came from. Mm. I think just as... Galen's hatred of Fitz was skill commanded, not directly, but as a result of the original command, I think the feelings that Fitz is having about himself are from that original skill command. I don't think that Galen... Galen could come up with a scheme of like, yeah, let's make 
him seem like he killed himself. But at this point, I think it was just a revenge. Like, he almost did what his father did to me. I hate him so much. Die. I don't think he was thinking that far. Like, let's just, you know, back it off of me. Galen is feeling like he's triumphed over everybody. He beat Beric out. He's got permission from the king for no one to interfere, things like that. So I think right. that Galen was just reacting in this moment and not hmm. planning out anything. Okay. So I think that's just an unforeseen consequence of that skill command. Interesting. Personally, at least. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's goes into a pretty long self-pitying talk about um, Fitz here. Yeah, and Galen, as he leaves the rooftop, says, You see, bastard... I tried to tell them you were not worthy. I tried to tell them that training would kill you, but you would not listen. You strove to usurp that which had been given to another. I think that plays into his thought that someone else was supplying his strength. That's my initial thoughts on that phrase anyways. It's like, this skill was given to somebody else, but you're taking that and claiming it as your own. Hmm. Did you have a thought on that? I was thinking because patients had come in and demanded that Fitz be recognized, Ooh, and this yeah. is part of it, that this was more in the vein of Fitz taking what should be Regal's. That's That makes a lot of sense, too, actually. I like that. And I just thought it was really interesting that that's how he's looking at it, which isn't at all how it truly is. Because at this point, Fitz hasn't even thought of the idea of, like, ruling the people or right. anything. He doesn't necessarily want anything to do with that at this point in time. Um, but I just thought that was a really interesting line that kind of seems like a justification in Galen's eyes for why he is acting the way he is. Uh, Fitz, yeah, Fitz is crawling his way towards the tower's edge. Um, he's fulfilling that skill command. He's filled with self-loathing, with despair. He can't stand because he's injured so much from the beating and from all of the other classmates either spitting or hitting or kicking him on the way out. Mm -hmm. So he crawls. And he says, I thought that I could that I could drag myself up onto a bench and from there to the top of the wall and from there down. End it. Somewhere, I could hear a whimpering and I despised myself for that, too. But as I scraped myself along, it grew. As a spark in the distance becomes a fire as one approaches, it refused to be ignored. It denied my failure. It was warmth and light, too. It grew stronger and stronger as I tried to find its source. I stopped. I lay still. It was inside of me. Smithy. Yeah. He loved me even if I hated it. He loved me even if I couldn't. Set its tiny teeth in my soul, embraced and held so that I couldn't crawl any further. When I tried, a howl of despair burst from it, searing me, forbidding me to break so sacred a trust. Yeah. This little pup. 
His good pup saving him. What a good pup. If he wasn't witted, Fitz would be dead right now. Yeah. If he didn't have the fool, Fitz would be dead right now. Mm-hmm. If he didn't have Birik, Fitz would be dead right now. Because Birik forced Fitz to keep a pup in secret and then bonded it behind his back. Yeah. It's so many little tiny things that had to go right for this moment to happen for him not to end up killing himself. And I just, it's really interesting how intricate that can be. Yeah. Uh, Fitz passes out, wakes up and sees the moon. Um, and eventually the fool and Birik came. Birik picks him up, brings him down to the stables. The fool leaves and not a word was said. Smithy was following along the whole time and he was, of course, jumping for joy. Uh-huh. He's a good pup. Real good pup. He says, With returning warmth came great pain, and I gave my body over to Birik, my soul to Smithy, and let go of my mind for a long while. I don't think he fully journeys into Smithy's mind. No. But he definitely shares that, and maybe like shares his brain to escape the pain a little bit. He doesn't go as far as he does with night eyes. Right. But then he just passes out. Mm-hmm. He wakes up again and Birik has bandaged him up a bit. And is sitting there, not asleep, not wide asleep, awake. Wide awake, waiting for him. And Birik is talking to him as if he was talking to an animal he just patched up and very calming and reassuring way. Even keeled voice. Nothing too excitable and... Fitz finds that it helps him, too. (laughs) Then he asks, what happened? He turned aside for me to pick up a cup of tea as he spoke, as if the question and my answer were of no great import. And this is just... I think he has to turn away, number one, because he's so angry. But also, he's not trying to scare Fitz away from telling him what's going on. He doesn't want Fitz to lie or to shy away from what happened. He wants to know, but he can't show Fitz how badly he wants to know. Yeah. It's just a nonchalant question. Yep. So also he stayed up for who knows (laughs) how long just to make sure Fitz was okay. And he loves him so much. Yeah. And Fitz pushes his mind back and he can't remember everything. He just says, I remembered only defeat. Galen tested me, I said slowly. I failed, and he punished me for it. And with my words, a wave of dejection, shame, and guilt swept over me, washing away the brief comfort I had taken in the familiar surroundings. Smithy kind of wakes up a little bit because of those feelings, and Fitz, you know, speaks to him, says, hey, quiet down, it's fine, go back to sleep. And Birik seems not to notice, although I think he's just ignoring it at this point. Yeah, I think they're bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Fitz is really struggling with his memory because uh, Birik presses him a little bit for more details. And shame just keeps washing over him. He's drowning in misery. All of these descript- descriptive 
sentences describing all of this absolute terrible guilt Mm -hmm. in him for doing it to himself. I think it's a little bit of both. Like he had, he sustained a severe head injury, mm-hmm. a traumatic brain injury, actually, that can definitely result in brain in, in memory loss. Right. And that plagues him forever after until he gets skill healed. <laughs> and also, with my thoughts on how that skill command takes over your body, I don't think his body would let him know that there was something that was off about the way that command was working with his memories. Right. You know, that feeling of triumph, of winning, of besting Galen, of euphoria beforehand. He only remembers the the command, I should die because I am bad at this, right. basically. It's kind of like that D&D spell, right? <laughs> Is that one where they let you can alter memories or whatever? <laughs> Am I making that up? I think you're make, I think you're correct in that. <laughs> anyway, so Pyrrhic is really just trying to understand because it doesn't yeah. make sense. Like, why would you beat a child because he didn't pass a test of something that he doesn't know? I think Pyrrhic has his suspicions of what actually happened and he's just trying to confirm it from Fitz's mouth. Right. And I think part of this too though is Bjork doesn't understand the skill. Nobody truly understands that Fitz has been skilled to act this way. They don't right. know. And Bjork wouldn't. He's never truly experienced a skill. He doesn't exactly know what it does. And so I'm sure because Fitz kind of gets mopey sometimes, this would kind of be (laughs) in Fitz's... (laughs) Wheelhouse. Yeah, Yeah, so... I'd say he's pretty sad during this period of time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I do like that Burek says, Very little worth knowing is taught by fear. It's a poor teacher who tries to instruct by blows and threats. Imagine taming a horse that way, or a dog. Even the most knot-headed dog learns better from an open hand than a stick. And I just think that's a really nice statement from Burek. I think that it really does just show how awful and evil Galen is. But I also really like that it's better to teach someone with kindness than fear. Right. Um, Fitz is trying to rationalize this in his head and explain to Beric why he, what he did was wrong and why Galen had to do this to him. And he's trying to kind of explain that through things that have happened in the past. So he's like, yeah, you, you've hit me before too. But Beric's like, no, not like this. Just to, you know, startle you or, you know, jolt you or warn you about things that I'm trying to teach you because you're you know, daydreaming on your feet. Right. I've never done this to you. No one should ever do this to someone to teach them anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, Fitz is like, no, you're right about that. I tried to think how I could make Birk understand why I had been punished. But this was different. 
Birik, a different kind of learning, a different kind of teaching. I felt compelled to defend Galen's justice. I tried to explain. I deserve this, Birik. The fault was not with his teaching. I failed to learn. I tried, I did try, but like Galen, I believe there is a reason the skill is not taught to bastards. There is a taint in me, a fatal weakness. Yeah. And I th- really reading this chapter just solidifies my thoughts that that command goes deeper than just the base command. and It doesn't, you know, I don't know. There's just so much going on with his feelings about uh, how inadequate he is to fulfill the role and the task set before him. Yeah. That is, it's, it's kind of unbelievable that this wouldn't be affected by skill. So yeah. in some way that command really, really pushes this forward, this thought forward, because before this, he was not going to be stopped at all to learn the skill. Mm-hmm. He was, he was gonna confident. Do, yeah. He was confident. He was very skilled. But I don't know. I feel like, the especially the line I felt compelled to defend Galen makes me feel like there's something deeper in what Galen's command was or like he slipped something else in there because I don't know how like even I understand that your brain has to find a way to accept this new command but why does that then make Galen right and someone who should be revered because after that he said like you're not like he had that whole paragraph of like you're not worth this like you are a bastard yeah it's good to be done with you that sort of thing i mean it definitely he definitely could have slipped something else and had something else take control but we only get that one description of die i didn't hear it but i felt those words yeah i don't know i don't know i guess it just like feels weird that like the way his brain is I, I get that, like, you would be like, I'm a failure, Galen was right about me, but that doesn't mean that he now suddenly should feel like Galen is heaven-sent and the best. I don't think he's feels like he's heaven-sent, because he still does not want to go back to Galen. He still does not like Galen, but at the same time, he has to justify why he was punished, and he thinks that was an actual good reason to be punished. Mm. Mm, okay. I'll accept that then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this um, this kind of continues this conversation with him and Birik. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Because they just kind of go back and forth, uh, trying to get more description. They talk briefly about chivalry. I like this section because it shows Burek kind of giving in a little bit to something that he probably didn't want to before. That. Yes, chivalry made a mistake in making fits, but chivalry wouldn't have just gone and laid with some woman willy-nilly. Right. This wasn't just some random woman of the night. Mm -hmm. This was someone who probably was a great conversationalist and was an interesting person and had merits of her own. Mm -hmm. And sure, it might have been a mistake that he slept with her, but it chivalry is a human right (laughs) and i think that just him having to defend fitz's mother is hard because it's giving up probably some anger that he's held towards her right whether knowingly or unknowingly 
to comfort someone he loves. And I just think that's huge that Fitz is part of Burek becoming a better person. And I think this is just a little glimpse into that. Definitely. Um, Along with that defense, he pokes at Fitz's head and a blast of pain rocked my consciousness. That's how near you were to losing an eye to this, quote, teaching. And um, that is what I think makes his uh, badger lock grow in, but I could be wrong. That could be from the dungeons. No, I think it's the dungeons. It's the dungeons? Okay. Yeah. But this this one is the one that gives him headaches every time he skills. Yes. And further affects him and says that, like, oh, I shouldn't be skilling because this is bad for me or whatever. So the whole thing just is a terrible cycle that loops on itself. Right. And, oh, he's getting angry. And this is, like, kind of scaring Fitz. And probably on some level, because in this state of mind, he thinks that Bjork is getting mad at him. And, like, of course he's mad. I deserve this. But that's not it at all. And then Bjork needs something else to talk about. Mm -hmm. Or he notices the dog and then realizes before he can do anything about this, he needs to know was this done to Fitz because of the wit? Yep. Because if it was the wit, there's nothing Burek can do about it. Mm-hmm. He cannot save Fitz from consequences of the wit. Yeah. So Fitz, you know, reassures him. He's like, no, this was for my failure, not because of the dog. And interestingly, Burek says quiet. He ordered impatiently. Your word is enough. I know you well enough to know your promise will always be true. And I just... Yeah, because he says, No, Burek, I promise you, this had nothing to do with the pup. So that was... It's the first time he said, I promise you, in, you know, this conversation. Right. I think that speaks, number one, to Fitz's character, that... He isn't to, a liar. To Burek's upbringing. To Burek's upbringing, <laughs> even if he let a little baby drink. <laughs> but. Keeps him honest, I guess. It does, it does keep him honest. <laughs> but it's also, I think, one of the nicest things we've ever heard Burek say. And a praise towards Fitz that isn't based off of his ability to do something. Yeah. It's based off of his Who character. He is, yeah. Yeah. And I just thought this was really sweet and also just shows that Burek actually does care about Fitz and feel for him. And I think sometimes I forget that Fitz is kind of an unreliable narrator. We are only seeing things from his point of view. And at this point in time, he doesn't exactly love Burek. So I think that... Having Burek say something that is this specific, this nice, really shows probably a side of Burek that we don't get to see as the reader because it's not something Fitz focuses on because right. he seems to focus only on negatives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Which is a bad habit of his. But I think it's it's just a good reminder that like Burek really does care and love for him, even if we don't always get to see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Burek seems to get a purpose here. Uh, something finally satisfied him, settled something for him, and he, uh, 
changes his shirt to a loose one, puts a leather jerkin over it. Oof. Yes, heads Daddy. Out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he woke later to uh, Birik checking him over, changed his torn and muddied shirt for a fresh one. He hummed as he did so, seeming in a fine mood, much at odds with my bruises and depression. Um, he's whistling, he's in a jovial mood. Fitz is getting even more depressed and angry at Birik for being in a good mood, seemingly over his injuries. <laughs> yep. Um, but eventually, Birik is like, okay, you have to get moving. Like, let's stand up, follow me around some chores. And he's slowly rehabbing Fitz to be at a working capacity to get him, you know, standing, moving around, able to do things Mm -hmm. because he's been in bed for, for a few days at the least. Mm -hmm. And we know that Burek is okay with, um, laziness, quote unquote, um, as long as you're healing from something and that he is a strong believer in letting someone rest when they need it, but also knowing that you don't need to let them rest forever, that they are not going to willingly get up. You have to show them that they can do it. Yep. Um, and Smithy follows Fitz around when he gets up, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, following me about the stable was the purest enjoyment he'd ever had. Every <laughs> sentence sight he relayed to me with an intensity that, despite my bleakness, re- renewed me- in me the wonder I had first felt when I'd plunged into Birik's world. Smithy was pretty much... Only in Patience's room, or Withy Woods, yes. traveling to Patience's room at Buckheap, and then Fitz's room. Goes outside sometimes with the fool, and I'm, I really want to know, like, how crazy those walks were. Like, how <laughs> hard did Smithy pull at the leash oh, for the yeah. fool? Oh, yeah, just trying to get new sense, and the yep. fool's like, mm-mm, you couldn't pay me enough. <laughs> but he loves it at Birex, obviously, because there's a bunch of things to do. Oh, yeah, um, lots of smells. He's a bit possessive over Fitz, but... You know, that's understandable. Um, But Fitz eventually gets okay enough for Beer to let him down into Buckkeep Town. Mm -hmm. So he walks down there and has an awkward little sit down at the Chandlerly waiting for Molly to get done with work. And just stares at her father drinking and yelling at Molly and Mm -hmm. mentioning things and having snide comments, I'm sure. And drinking more and more. Yeah. And eventually Molly's like, okay, I'm I'm done. I need to make a delivery here. Fitz, carry these for me. And then they drop off the delivery and go waltz around town for a little bit. Which is very clever on Molly's part. Yeah. I love that she had a whole, like, setup. Oh, she she's been doing up. that for <laughs> years. Uh, but um, they just walk. Yeah. Um, eventually they go to a tea shop and kind of sit down. Mm-hmm. And she treats him. Yep. And is paying attention, all the attention to Smithy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which he's reveling in, Mm -hmm. laying on his back and wagging his tail. And And it says here again, I was struck suddenly by how clearly Smithy was aware of her feelings, and yet she did not sense his at all, except on the shallowest level. Yeah. And I quested gently toward her, but found her elusive and drifting today like a perfume that comes strong and then faint on the same breath of wind. And I just wonder if she maybe like, I don't know, wit adjacent. (laughs) You, you asked this before, like, um, you were wondering if she was witted and I said, she's probably below Ketrikin. Mm -hmm. And I still stand by that. And even this passage has 
moved her lower in the wit scale for me because it says that she did not sense Smithy's thoughts at all. And we know that Ketrin can, can kind of yeah. understand Night Eye's thoughts, at least the general gist of like yeah. feelings. Um, so I feel like maybe like higher in the wit than some other people, but definitely nothing to call her witted. See, I feel like little things like this led me to truly believe she was witted to bees or something. Or like, oh yeah, the, the controlling the bees uh-huh. later. I like. I was like, oh, I knew it. I knew she had the wit. I knew it. And then it was like all just a thing that she made up. And I was like, oh. That's... <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was also like, wait, bees are insects, not. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you couldn't right. have a wit. I mean, there are people bee. who are bonded to spiders. Ew, yeah. In the story, like... Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I just thought it was interesting that it's brought up again that there's something there, definitely. Yeah. But not to the extent of Fitz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get again that uh, Fitz is feeling super alone and another me- melancholy, a deadly melancholy uh, that she had never been and never would be any more aware of me than she was of Smithy. So we see the depth of his feeling for her here, mm-hmm. but also like that despair of uh, she's not going to notice me like she doesn't notice Smithy. I found this more of a... She's never going to know me in a way that I can connect to Smithy. Not necessarily like notice me senpai but like (laughs) that she's not there's like that deeper connection that he can have with animals and that that's never going to be there with molly and maybe he thought maybe there could be because he can feel that there's something there she has a little bit of wit could be yeah. but like she's not witted in the end and so there can't be a stronger bond there and so it feels more lonely maybe and maybe not maybe i'm just making that part up but that's how yeah. I read it. But I like your way, too. Um, Molly tries to make, like, some jokes about her father smashing beer mugs on the floor and stuff like that. And Fitz can't smile at this point. Mm-hmm. And they are walking back to her place. And he drops her off. And at her door, she shocked me with a hug and a kiss on the corner of my jaw. The embrace so brief that it was almost like being bumped in the market. New boy, she said. And then, thank you for understanding. Then she whisked into her shop and shut the door behind her, leaving me chilled and bewildered. She thanked me for understanding her at a time when I had never felt more isolated from her and everyone else. And I thought that was really interesting. I was curious about your take of what she was thanking him for was it because he hadn't been there in four months and he was finally visiting I don't think so but that was a possibility was it for just being there and listening to her was it for bringing Smithy I think it's partially because he was there to listen but also he doesn't pretend to smile or laugh away at her father's abuse of her. Yeah. And he doesn't try to make it seem like it's okay. He just is so plain-faced that he's 
it just is what it is. That's how it is. And that's really unfortunate. And I'm not going to even crack a smile at this lame attempt at a joke of it. I'm sure she's used to making those jokes to everyone around her to brush off her father's behavior. Yeah. And everyone, of course, out of politeness will be, oh, yeah, you're making a joke. We'll Mm -hmm. laugh. But inside will be like, wow. Yeah. But Fitz, through his melancholy and his feeling of loneliness, he can't smile at her right now. And not only that, but he doesn't try to dig deeper. He doesn't ask her to... He doesn't... It's not confrontational. It's not like, well, what do you mean by that? Or that's not okay. That's not a good thing. But it's more of a sort of acceptance of just that is what it is. And that's not good, but I'm not going to judge you for it. It says, she smiled after she makes this joke. She smiled an odd little smile as she told me this. As if it would be less appalling if somehow we thought of his behavior as amusing. I couldn't smile, and she looked away from my face. I, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Well, um, Fitz heads back, and then Birik has another little, you know, ocular pat down of Fitz and, like, checks all of his bandages and things like that, gives him a little pot of medicine, and says, you have to go back and finish your lessons. Smithy's staying here. And Fitz is like, what? No. No, I'm not. And he said, and Burek, Burek looked at me, scowled, and turned away. Now stop that, he commanded angrily. What? I asked. You look at me sometimes with my lord's eyes, he said quietly, and then sharply as before. What did you think to do? (laughs) (laughs) And it just... Ugh, you know he feels guilty sending Fitz away. He doesn't want Fitz to leave either, but he knows this is what's best for Fitz. Yeah. And also, he probably looks a lot like chivalry. It says, A terrible sadness welled up in me, and yet I could find no words to say. Beric looked at me, scowled, and turned away. You're looking at me with my lord's eyes. That's probably the last look that chivalry gave him. Incredibly sad. Oh, no. Just staring at him and couldn't say anything. My heart. Like. (laughs) Why did you do that? (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) Beric is very insistent. Yes, you have to finish them. Um, Galen has had no lessons since (laughs) since you've been injured. He will accept you back. Yep. And you didn't miss anything, so you there you go. Um, and also, he says, uh, after Fitz is like, I, I don't want to, I want to learn how, you know, the hawking. <laughs> and Beric's like, you can't, for the hawks don't like you. You're too warm, and you don't mind your business enough. <laughs> and it's a funny comment, but also, Beric has this understanding of what the hawks are thinking. Uh-huh. Even if he insists that he never uses the wit, he has that baseline understanding of like hawks are like birds are distant people who like their own space they like to do what they're doing uh-huh. Fitz is a dog person yep <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very funny of no they don't like you you're not doing that yep. <laughs> and also that Fitz just picked that at random because he just wanted something to stay for and he knew he couldn't say dogs yeah <laughs> Uh, and he says, you didn't fail, you fool. Galen tried to drive you away. If you don't go back, you'll have let him win. You have to go back and you have to learn it, but... 
and here he turned on me, and the anger in his eyes was for me. You don't have to stand there like a carter's mule while he beats you. You've a birthright to his time and his knowledge. Make him give you what is yours. Don't run away. No one ever gained anything by running away. He paused, started to say more, and then stopped. He was going to walk himself out of that hole he just dug for chivalry. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Birk is, is very insistent about Fitz trying to complete his lessons because he went to the trouble of beating up Galen, so... Yes. Might as well take advantage of this. <laughs> but also, he doesn't want Fitz to follow in his father's footsteps and yeah. running away and giving up what is rightfully his. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Beric commands him. Yep. Don't you dare try my patience that way. I've told you what you are to do. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> Little Emperor Palpatine there. <laughs> Suddenly I was six years old again, and a man in the kitchen backed up a crowd with a look. I shivered, cowed. Abruptly, it was easier to face Galen than to defy Beric. <laughs> Kirk must have a real strong, angry glare. That dark look, yeah. <laughs> is it warm in here, or is it just me? <laughs> I mean, it's really warm in here, too, but... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, so Fitz heads back up, very sad, because he's without Smithy now. Yeah. And Smithy seemed okay to leave him, and he was, that makes him... Yeah. His feelings are hurt. Well, obviously, it's a pup in a barn. Like, yeah. he wants to stay around the other dogs, the horses, mm-hmm. And the he's just going to have to stay in the room if he goes yeah. with Fitz, so... Yeah. Um, he cleans his room, finally, <laughs> with vinegar, as Lacey suggested three months ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and he falls asleep, but the fool's candle wakes him up. I was completely disoriented as to time and place until he said... You've just time to wash and eat, and still be the first on the tower top. I'm not going. It was the first time I'd ever seen the fool look surprised. Why not? It's pointless. I can't succeed. I simply haven't the aptitude. And I'm tired of beating my head against the wall. And the line, it was the first time I'd ever seen the fool look surprised. The fool has just learned that... The, that Fitz survived through this thing that he thought he was not going to survive through. The, the test came, Fitz passed by living. Mm-hmm. And now, before him, before the fool, it seems clear that Fitz will continue to do his lessons. He will continue to gain this skill. We will do other things. He got past this test. We're looking forward to the next one. Yep. And Fitz is like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and the fool's like, what? I, what? Excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. I just asked you not to. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now you don't want to after you've passed the test? Well, I want you to now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the, the fool is bewildered about this, obviously, because he doesn't know what the skill can do to your mind. And Fitz is still heavily impacted by that. Yes. Healing his phys- his body does not help his mind heal from the skill. And the fool knows right away something is wrong. Yeah. And Well, because it's a direct opposition to what he asked uh-huh. literally like three days before. Yeah, and he, and he asked, he's like, you 
before I asked you to quit the lessons, you would not. Do you recall that? And then Fitz is like, well, I'm stubborn sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also he says that I don't have the aptitude and the fool's like, I thought you were doing really well beforehand. Like, Yeah, you were so adamant you would succeed. Yeah. And it's... He can't really have... He doesn't really have a thought of why he changed his mind that he doesn't want to continue anymore. Mm-hmm. And Fitz asks, why have you changed your mind to convince me? And the fool says, because that which I sought to prevent came to pass, but you survived it. So I seek now to... His words trailed off. It is as you said. Why should I speak at all when I cannot speak plainly? That goes back to what you said before about... The fool not wanting to open up about things now. And also, I think he's a little bit scared of altering it even further yeah. off the path that he has set. He's just trying to convince Fitz to stay on this one right now. Because it's it's one problem at a time at this right. point. And I think it's interesting that Fitz's response is, If I said that, I regret it. It is not a thing one should say to a friend. I do not remember it. And he does remember it, because he told us about it earlier. But he's trying to, like... He remembers it now, but I'm I'm wondering if, like, his memory slowly came back, because he couldn't remember things that he was trying to tell the Birk either, but he could recall the whole story writing it back. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the, like, the skill command or the repercussions from that kind of scrubbed out that, too, him being confident in the skill in that whole conversation... Because he was like, I'm going to, you know, do this no matter what. Yeah. I have confidence in my ability for the skill. And the skill command and his feelings after that directly contradict that discussion as well. So they kind of, like, Hmm. brush that memory out as well. I guess. I also was just wondering if it was maybe, like, I'm sorry I hurt you. I realize that I hurt your feelings. It could be. And I don't, like... I'll forget it, I said it, if you forget I said it, sort of thing. That's how the fool takes it. Right. He smiled faintly. If you do not remember it, then neither shall I. Obviously, that's how the fool takes it. Like, oh, we're just brushing past it. That's an apology from you. Mm -hmm. Great. Perfect. Um, He reached out and took both of my hands in his. His grip was oddly cool. A shiver passed over me at his touch. Would you continue if I asked it of you? As a friend... The word sounded so odd from his lips. He spoke it without mockery, carefully, as if the saying of it out loud could shatter the meaning. His colorless eyes held mine. I found I could not say no, so I nodded. I think this is the first time that the fool has ever had a friend. And I think this is the first time that Fitz has ever had somebody so confidently and securely asks something of him that really meant something Hmm. like from another peer quote unquote like a friend yeah the fool is so serious in this and so like so quietly yearning for Fitz to understand him that Fitz is like Wow, okay. Yeah, we're friends. Yes, I will do this for you. He, he, This is like the first time he understands the meaning of like what it is to be a friend rather than like a drinking buddy downtown. 
Yeah. But the fool has had a very lonely childhood as well. Yeah. More lonely than Fitz, I would say. Definitely. And I think this is such a tender and intimate moment. Definitely. I mean, Fitz kind of says that the fool is his friend before when saying um, that's not how someone should talk to a friend. Yeah. But this is the fool and maybe Fitz has called the fool his friend before to like the fool's face. Right. Um, But this is the fool acknowledging that this is a friendship and it starts the friendship that they have where Fitz can't say no to the fool. Right. The fool is constantly asking things of Fitz and because it's the fool he can't say no he can say no to Molly yeah he can say no to Ketrickin Ketrickin yeah. <laughs> he can say no to his nephew to his daughter but he can't say no to the fool and I just think that's a really interesting relationship that they have mm-hmm. that's just started here so the fool can't really say no to Fitz either I know even if it breaks his the yeah. moral compass which the fool or Fitz does for the fool too so mm-hmm. so Fitz rises reluctantly he says I don't want to go I don't see what I can accomplish and the fool is like I don't know why he bothers with you and he's talking about Beric here mm-hmm. and then he goes into a little story which is I, I love this story so much it's so great because um, we get a little comeuppance well-deserved comeuppance in this story mm-hmm. and also the way it's told is Mwah, chef's kiss yeah it's great um, about you haven't a clue have you about what about how the stable master dragged Galen from his bed and from thence to the witness stones I wasn't there of course or I would be able to tell you how Galen cursed and struck at him first. But the stable master paid no attention. He just hunched his shoulders to the man's blows and kept silent. He gripped the skill master by the collar, so the man was fair choked and dragged him along. And the soldiers and guards and stable boys followed in a stream that became a torrent of men. If I had been there, I could tell you that how no man dared to interfere, for it was as if the stable master had become as Burek once was, an iron-muscled man with a black temper that was like a madness when it came on him. No one, then, dared to brook that temper, and that day it was as if Burek was that man again. If he limped still, no one noticed it at all. Which really brings into mind that he, he found his purpose. Like, it's, it's always been with chivalry for a while and he was lost and then he all he had was Fitz and now every time Fitz's life is threatened or something about that he gets a black purpose to fix it to do away with whatever would hurt Fitz one it was nosy uh-huh and now it's Galen yep and i love this i love that he is so powerful and strong in this moment that everyone sees him the way they used to see him. Yeah. That he's no longer the Burek that hides in the stables and shies away. He's 
this strong man who should not be reckoned with. And still in the prime of his life. Yep. And it's also interesting that after that he says this, it's noted that the skill master um, is flailing and trying to hit the cat, his captor. Um, but the only thing it does is make Bjork tighten his grip. Yeah. And then Galen starts trying to beg the people following and watching to help him. Please help get me out of here. And, you know, it seemed as though he was trying to skill. And it says, perhaps his skill is not so strong as it was rumored. Or perhaps too many remembered his mistreatment of them too well to be vulnerable to his wiles. It also says that all suspected that he turned what he knew upon his captor, but if he did, it had no effect. And we know that Birk is blocked out of the skill, so mm-hmm. yes, Galen would have tried. Yep. And yes, Birk would have just kept right on. Yeah, Birk wouldn't have even felt it. Of course, nobody that's following them is going to want to help Galen, because Galen is... Right. But if it was a skill command, they wouldn't be... Able- I guess if your will is strong enough, you can... And if you don't like him at all, right. maybe. And he's weak. and I don't know. But I do like that this is starting rumors that Galen isn't actually that strong, <laughs> even if it's not true. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the fool's just going on and on. And, you know, Fitz is mad. Like, get on with it, fool. <laughs> what happened? And then the fool starts with, I wasn't there, of course. But I have heard. And then goes in to talk. About how they, Bjork drags Galen all the way up to the witness stones and there challenges him to a fight. No weapons, just hands. Um, just as the skill master had assaulted a certain boy the day before. And the stones would witness, if Bjork won, that Galen had no call to strike the boy, nor had he the right to refuse to teach the boy. And Galen would have refused the challenge and gone to the king himself, except that the dark man had already called the stones to witness. And so they fought, in much the same way that a bull fights a bale of straw when he tosses the stamps and gores it. And when he was done, the stable master bent and whispered something to the skill master before he and all the others turned and left the man lying there with the stones witness to his whimpering and bleeding. What did he say? I demanded. I wasn't there. I saw and heard nothing of it. <laughs> You'll be late if you tarry. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I love the fool so much. He's such a good storyteller. And this he is, wasn't there, of course. Of course not. And he keeps saying that, which makes me believe he 100% was there. Well, yeah, he was... In costume, though, probably, right? Probably. Maybe he's dressed as a little girl. (laughs) You know, he's really good at impersonating no matter what gender it is, which I think is really cool. And, ugh. It it goes to show the the real depth of feeling that Burek has, as you mentioned before. And Fitz has this reaffirmed to him, even though he's learned this before of Beric, like it just keeps, he keeps having to be reminded that Beric does have feelings for him. Right. Even if it's 
you know, even if Fitz brushes aside with, like, he just wants me to live up to Chivalry's name because he likes Chivalry better. Mm-hmm. Beric does care for Fitz. Fitz, believe it. <laughs> he does. He cares for you. <sighs> and he leaves and kind of climbs his way to the tower. Yeah. With that in mind. But Beric has won this right. Yeah. For him. And it's amazing because Burek, oh, he's just so cool. He just beats the crap out of Galen, <laughs> which he deserves. And finally, somebody does it. Like, oh, right. I'm glad it happened at least once. But, like, <laughs> but I also, oh, I can't even imagine what that would be like to watch because. Galen doesn't ever fight fair, first of all. Right, yeah. And second of all, the one time he can't use his special ability is against somebody who really has the perfect opportunity (laughs) to just, like, show it to him. And you know that throws him off, because why can't he skill Mm -hmm. Beard to stop? And I bet that's how he fights all his other battles. All comes down to chivalry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, ooh. Well, Fitz had some triumphs, but he was also brainwashed. And then he was uh, made to kill himself, and very sad. Yes. And we end on a little a little high note, seeing how Galen got some of his comeuppance, but we also know, both of us, that worse is coming. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. Not as, not as bad as, like, making him kill himself, but, like, the absolute shunning and full-out ig- ignoring of fits that's happening in in the next few lessons. Yeah. I don't know. It's a rough time out here for old Fissy boy. Yeah. Poor, sad Fitz. <laughs> Please let us know what's, uh, what's going on in your mind while we're reading through these chapters. Um, a lot happened in this chapter. It was a really long one. And we kind of want to know, like, what you think his command was and how, you know, how Fitz was feeling and how those thoughts got into his head. Yeah. Um, please reach out on uh, any of the social medias or email us directly at isfitshappy at gmail.com. And remember, you can follow us at isfitshappy.com or uh, on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And let us know if you can't find it on one of your platforms. We'll we'll try to fix that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you next time. Okay, we have a couple uh, emails that we want to talk about as well and some messages and things like that. Um, we got some great responses this week, so thank you so much for everyone uh, for reaching out and, you know, talking to us about this this kind of thing, sending theories. Yeah, we it's love fun. reading the theories. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, first of all, before we dive too far into it, I do want to say Keith sent us something. Uh, and I don't know how many of you have seen the Smurfs, but uh, Gargamel, the evil wizard from the Smurfs, he sent a picture of that. He's like, every time I picture Galen, I this is who I picture. And it's just <laughs> a little creeping old man walking uh-huh. along. It's, it's great. It made me laugh. But it's also way less of a niche reference than a Barbie Swan Lake movie, so... Yeah. <laughs> True. 
So we also got a couple of messages from Alex, and they sent us some great messages about Chivalry and Burek's relationship, um, and just some really cool uh, theories, uh, one of which was that maybe the skill sharing... Uh, I don't know how to... Yeah, when you When you link minds with a skill, when... You are touching somebody else else with the skill. You create a link that can maybe transfer some properties over to that person, kind of like how Fitz and the Fool melded together and then B was born from them with Molly. Mm-hmm. And how maybe uh, Chivalry had done that with Burek unknowingly, because, you know, Fitz and the Fool do that unknowingly. Um, it's We don't know, but they did say... That that could be the reason that Fitz has the wit, which I love the idea that he actually inherited the wit from Burek. Yeah, so Burek, Chivalry, and Fitz's mom, and he got the wit from Burek and Fitz's mom's properties uh-huh. coming together, oh. which is a really interesting theory. Um, you like it a lot, and I like it a lot. I like that thought a lot, but at the same time, I responded that, um, and Alex pointed out that Silver might have been a unique, you know, element to the Fits and Fools relationship that might have spurred that for happening and everything. So um, I kind of latched onto that, and I like the thought that Fits and the Fool were more unique in their relationship, and the Fool had set uh, no limits on their relationship at all, or his love for, um, or for Fitz. And I think the rooster crown also had, you know, and actually, you know, occupying the fool's body kind of had some things to do with that as well. And I don't know how intimately Burek and Chivalry were ever connected. Yeah, that's true. We don't know as much about Burek and Chivalry's relationship. I think it would be interesting if we got to know if... Uh, Burek was kind of saved or had a mass he- a massive healing from right. chivalry because that could then le- lend more to the idea that it is something to do with the skill and that when you skill go into somebody else with the skill you're putting a little bit of yourself into them. Right, yeah. Alex sent another uh, message about um Burek and Chivalry's relationship, kind of branching off of that same theory about mm-hmm. how there are some quotes in the text that kind of hint both ways, but since Robin Hobb is very particular in the wording, it isn't explicit. And it's pretty vague, and it could lean both ways. Yeah. And, I mean, we do know that Robin Hobb isn't afraid to write people uh, in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so it's definitely a possibility that Burek is somebody, is maybe bi or, um, or I don't know, gay, but I don't, I don't know that he would be straight up gay because he does like women too. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one quote in particular that, um, they included in their message was from this chapter that we talked about a little bit before as well. Um, in chapter 15, when uh, Beric is telling Fitz to go back to the castle and, you know, take Galen's lessons again after he fixes them up, he says, you know, stop that. Stop looking at me with your with my lord's eyes. Mm-hmm. 
which we kind of talked about, like, yes, uh, Fitz does look like chivalry. He could have been, like, super sad, and that's how Beric saw him last, how he saw chivalry last. Right. But also, I mean, it could be, like, like Alex says here, that they're imagining a past moment where chivalry is giving Beric these sad, longing eyes over something. And it's such a cute thing to imagine, and I can't help but feel this might go beyond uh, no romantic feelings from either man. But at the same time, maybe it's just nothing. Hmm. Yeah. Because they could be like there. There could be those moments of like, yeah, we recognize that we love one another, but it it can't happen, kind of thing. Right. So I I don't know. The duchies aren't ready to accept that. <laughs> Yeah, so they were really, really interesting posts, and, and the quotes that were in there were, were quite fun to, to read and look at, and it's definitely an interesting conversation that I don't think has a solid answer. Rather, Robin Hobb, I don't know what she intended for the writing, but um, she either intentionally or unintentionally leaves it up to your thoughts and your headcanon. Yeah, which I kind of like. I like that. I think that leaves it open to all different types of people and everybody's comfort level when reading, which is kind of nice to yeah. allow that, allow a broader range of people to um, enjoy your books and also be able to place themselves in that book. Also, thank you to Alex for popping in with the first Wintro Vestrit POV mention yes. that we got. <laughs> Someone's Team Wintro, which is great. I like Wintro a lot. I think he's I think sweet. he's a little whiny, but... <laughs> I like his character arc a lot, but it is it is the first person to say that they liked Wintro at Vestrit, so... <laughs> and finally, we also want to shout out to Michelle, who told us that uh, she thinks of Squidward's voice when Galen is talking, yeah. which is a great addition. I, <laughs> I like that, too. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yeah, Galen is just, um, he's a piece of work. Oh, yeah. I'd like to fight him in the streets. 1v1. I like to drag him underneath the witness stones myself. You know? <laughs> You'd probably have a little bit more luck than me, but I could do it. <laughs> as long as I was immune to skill. <laughs> Square up. <laughs> So thank you guys all for reaching out. Um, it's always really nice to hear from you, and we get a lot of enjoyment from everything that you guys send us. 